<laughs> I'll press uh, start on my stopwatch as soon as I've just uh, said this thing that I need to say. I need to um, honor Lucas, Annie, the eldership team, the deacons and the leaders. Laureen and I have been in Josh generation for 20 years, and we've been in this congregation for two months. And I can't tell you how amazing the reception and the love towards us has been. It's been incredible, and it really feels like we found our home. We feel so settled here. We're so encouraged, and we certainly look forward to continue to serve you guys. So, Lucas, thank you very much. We love you guys. So I want to pray just before we start. It'll be a very quick prayer. Father, stir up a passion in our hearts. Stir up a passion in our hearts, Lord. Amen. So the title of this preach goes without saying. It's called Stir Up a Passion. Now, who of you have seen that movie called Hacksaw Ridge? Just raise your hands. Oh, not many of you guys. Wow. This is a movie you've got to see. It was absolutely incredible. I mean, if you like blood, violence, and gore, this is it. Well, this story is a true story. It's based on a man by the name of Desmond Doss, and he was a Seventh-day Adventurist. And he was so committed and obedient to God that he literally took the Ten Commandments, which were hanging in his room, and he was completely obedient to it. And he said, I'm going to live this out. And as a result of this, he refused to pick up a weapon. But yet he volunteered to go to war. And this was during the Second World War. They landed up on an island called Okinawa in Japan. And thousands and thousands of Japanese and American soldiers were being nailed. They were absolutely being slaughtered over there. And what Hexel Ridge is, it's like, in fact a cliff face which is 121 meters tall. And because it was so ragged and rough, they called it Hexel, Hexel Ridge. And the only way the Americans could get up there is to secure a fishing net to the face of this cliff. And they climbed up there and then they fought as long as they could. And then they retreated if they were under pressure. And that's where Desmond Doss comes in. So Desmond Doss, he said, no, I want to be a medic, but I'm not going to pick up a weapon. And he was insulted. He was beaten. When he was in the, on his knees in the barracks in the army praying, the guys used to throw boots at him. And they used to hit him. And the captain was against him. In fact, he was court-martialed because he refused to pick up a rifle. But eventually, I think God intervened, and he was sent to Aknoa to go and fight this fight. The interesting thing about this, him being faithful and obedient to God's word, he was accredited for saving 75 men in 12 hours. Now, he didn't fight. What he did was he went into battle with everybody. And as he saw somebody wounded, he would take him and he will take him to the edge of the cliff. And the medic's hands were so full, so eventually he wrapped a rope around them and he lowered them down the side of this cliff, 120 meters. And then he ran back into the heat of the battle and he found somebody else. And he dragged, dragged him to that point and lowered him. In 12 hours, 75 men were saved. The interesting thing is, 
that the men that mocked him, cursed him, beat him, afterwards said they have never seen a braver man than Desmond Doss. An incredible story. It's a true story. And as I said, if you want to watch it, it's full of blood and gore. It's a super action movie. But the interesting thing is about Desmond Doss. You know, he was called. He was obedient. And he wants you to be obedient to God's Word. He, he was absolutely passionate about God's Word. He read God's Word. He understood it. And he said, I'm going to live this. I'm not just going to wait for Sundays or Wednesdays. I'm going to live this every day of my life. And then he saw the commandments, and he said, I'm going to obey these commandments because this is God's will and desire for me to obey his commandments. And that's exactly what he did. And he didn't give up. I mean, you would have possibly given up after you lowered one guy down. Your arms would have been sore. Two guys, maybe that's a stretch, ten guys. But after ten guys, his hands were bleeding as he was lowering, lowering this rope. And during this, he was actually shot and wounded with shrapnel as well. But that didn't stop him from lowering 75 men down. So he saved 75 men. Amazing story. So if I think about Desmond Doss, and I compare him to myself on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being good, I think I'm about a 4, pushing it at a 4. Probably a two in terms of his passion versus mine to doing something. We're all passionate about something. We're passionate about our husbands or our wives. We're passionate about our kids. We're passionate about our sports. We're passionate about our hobbies. And we're passionate about various things. Money, running, whatever it may be. We have a passion for that. And I would ask you this, where's your passion centered on or focused on? Is it on your kids, your husband, your wife? Is it to God himself? Or let me ask you this, is it to your cell phones? Now the interesting stat is that the average person spends five and a half hours on his cell phone a day. Just imagine if we could spend five and a half hours in our word, in God's word, seeking him, seeking his will for our life, worshiping and praising him and carrying his word in our heart. Just imagine how passionate we would be about him. And when we would scale the cliffs and we would lower the men down without hesitation. So how does God want us to do this? Let's look at Mark I'm using the New Living Translation for you guys. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Mm. <laughs> I forgot to press start. <laughs> and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. If you can put that in a little cake mix and mix it up, you will be absolutely passionate about God. The problem is we don't live this. We don't live loving the Lord with all our heart. We don't. Because we're giving our heart to so many other things, like our cell phones, or our kids, or our work, or our sport, whatever it may be. Yet, each one of us have a desire to be passionate about something. 
And God has given us all a passion so that we can walk in His good, perfect will and plan for our lives. He wants us to be passionate about life. I mean, Andrew Priestess preached last night. I think most people were shivering in. You know, their knees were shaking. Either in excitement or in fear. Jesus is coming. <laughs> what am I going to do? And Joey played that card. Yeah, no. He says, okay, guys, Jesus could be coming. If you don't repent now and give your life to the Lord, you know, you're going to have a problem. And I just want to say to the guys that raised their hands, the folk, thank you, Jesus. Woohoo! <laughs> let me just throw this in there. Andrew always said, let me throw in a freebie. You know what happened when you raised your hand? To those people that did raise their hands, God himself got up off his throne and together with his angels celebrated the fact that you rose your hand and you committed in his life. God gets up and he looks down and he's like, yes, one more save. He's taken out of the grip of this devil, out of Satan's grip. And they will now spend eternity with me. And that's his heart for each one of us. And the Bible is the ultimate story of passion. It's the story of God coming down to earth for us and giving himself completely by dying on the cross for you and me. And we sang about it as well. Defeating death, Jesus now desires you and me to be passionate. To lead the world to salvation. So that's what Joey did. And the people that stuck their hands up, it's not just for us. It's actually for us to go out and to help the guys. We need to go out and say, listen, the end times are coming. We're going through these birth pains. And now we want to live passionately towards God's word. What does he say in Matthew 27 verse 19? Go into the world and make disciples of all people. All people. It's not for us to sit here and wait and ask. It's for you. Look at the guy next to you and say, no, you must do it. You didn't say it. <laughs> so God doesn't want a portion of you. God doesn't want a bit of you. No, God wants all of you. He wants everything. That's why I said, love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. That is everything. Say, so he wants everything from you. He doesn't just want you to come to church on Sundays. He doesn't want you just to go to community or small home groups, for those who don't know, on a Wednesday night. He doesn't just want to wait for you when you get up in the morning and you spend five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, half an hour in your quiet time with him, praying, worshiping, whatever you're doing. No, he wants you all the time. Your thoughts, your prayers, and your worship must continue in your heart and in your mind throughout the day, despite the fact that you're busy with other things like work. You can pray in the Spirit during the day. You can spray, <laughs> spray. pray in the Spirit. Spray yourself with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, Gav, thanks. You can pray all the time. You pray loud in the workplace, and everybody's like, Whoa, what's wrong with this guy? He's on drugs or something. I reflect on your own life right now. Just search your heart quickly. How much time do you commit to God each day? 
And does this really fall into to the category of, I'm passionate about God? Ask yourself that question. Am I really passionate about God? Am I giving 100% or am I giving him 99.9% or am I giving him 10%? I said like maybe 4 out of 10 if I compare myself to Desmond Dodd. I can do a lot better and God desires me to do a lot better. He wants me to live a life filled with passion and zeal for him all the time. Reminds me in the Bible, <clears throat> and Jesus was walking with his disciples, and he saw a man in the fields, and he said to him, come and follow me. And the man said, no, no, hang on, I need to go and bury my father first. Now, if you understand the scriptures, the oldest gets two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger guys get the rest of the inheritance, the remaining third. He was probably the oldest brother, and he wanted to make sure that he lay claim to the two-thirds, but he was more interested in the money than he was in following Jesus. In another story, the guy, Jesus walked past him and says, hey, come and follow me. And he said, no, wait, I just want to go and say goodbye to my family. What are we saying to Jesus right now? Hey, Jesus, wait, I just want to finish this. I need to get married. I need to have kids. I need to go to work. I need to do this. I need to do that. No. God wants us to be passionate and say, yes, Lord, whatever the cost, whatever the price is, I'm going to lay my life down and I'm going to follow you. The call is worthwhile and his presence, his presence is worth the cost. Believe me, his presence is worth the cost. I'll tell you what, I'll dive off the highest mountain just to be in his arms, in his presence. There's nothing better. Sounds radical, and it is. It is. And many of us will never live out our fullness of what God has planned because of how radical it sounds. It's like, I, I, I didn't sign up for that. I was chatting to somebody the other day, and I said, you know, if somebody explained to me what Christianity was all about when I gave my life to the Lord, I would have said, no, sorry, I can't do this. Because we think that when we give our lives to the Lord, it's just going to be a gradual climb as we are transformed from glory to glory and walk into heaven. Hallelujah. Angels singing and worshiping. We at the pearly gates and we meet Peter and everybody else. But they didn't tell me, no, that Christianity is like this. That you go up like this and you're so excited and you're so enthusiastic about God. And then you drop like a hundred meters, and then you plateau for, for another year or two, and then suddenly your world starts going like this, like a corkscrew, and then it drops, and then it goes up. And I said, what? I never knew Christianity is going to be so tough. I never knew it. You see, what happens is fear grips us. We choose the comfortable path with minimal impact. I remember he says, wide is the road. Which road are you going to take? The narrow road? Fraught with difficulties and challenges. Or are you going to take the wide, easy road? Many will take the easy road. We have a choice today. You can lead a radical life of passionate love that God wants of and from you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to lead somebody to God today. 
I mean, that's awesome. I would love it. Lucas and the elders would absolutely love it. If you go out of this place and you speak to a relative, a friend, a neighbor, your boss, and somebody gets saved, awesome, because Jesus is coming soon. And that's what he wants us to do. It could be something as simple as opening your heart fully to God and allow him to fill you with his overflowing love. Yes, God, I want all of you. I want to give you all of me. All of me, God. Take all of me, not just a bit. All of you, no matter the cost, no matter the price. I want to surrender to you today and, and absolutely say, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, all of you, despite the cost. Anywhere, anyhow, at any cost, I will follow you all the days of my life. Who wants that? Come on, come on. Yeah, thank you for raising your hands, most of you. And Jesus continues to passionately pursue us every day. Every moment, Jesus is passionately pursuing us. Think about how he lived and died to make a way for a relationship with you. That's why we broke bread today as well. He wanted us to come into a relationship with him. So he sacrificed his life. Let's read 1 John 4, 9 to 10, again in the New Living Translation. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Oh my hat. He loved us before we loved Him. He knew us before we were born. Go and read Psalm 139. It's most people's favorite psalm. He watched us grow up. In utter seclusion in our mother's wombs. He knew us before we were born. That is God. He's amazing. Absolutely incredible. Do you know, I'm reading the New Living Translation, and in the New Living Translation, over 390 times, God talks about His unfailing love towards you and me. I mean, how many times do you say that to the person you love the most? Lucas, to Annie, how many times in a day do you say that? Maybe once? You know, just like, babe, I love you, man. You're the best thing since sliced bread and peanut butter sandwiches. Is he, are you jabbing Joey in the side there? <laughs> so let us all ask God to reveal to us how he wants you and me to walk a passionate life. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us live the life God has done it. You know, we, we can in many ways rely on own strength. I prayed for a young man the other day, and last Sunday, he came to me, he came out front here when there was ministry time, and he said, please pray for me. He's struggling with alcohol. So I prayed for him, and I saw him today, and he says, I've made massive strides. I'm doing so well. And I asked him, well, have you given up drinking completely? He says, no, not yet. There's still a bit. The thing is, that's flesh. I'm trying to do this in my own strength. Without the Holy Spirit, without him being filled with the Holy Spirit, he will never conquer that habit. Because the Holy Spirit empowers us. He empowers us to conquer. He empowers us to be passionate about him. 
He empowers us to be obedient to Him. The problem is that we have an enemy that lies to us every moment of the day. He's trying to get you into hell. He's trying to do everything. As Andrew said last night, he's all-powerful. He's all-knowledgeable. I mean, he's just amazing in his own eyes. But he's trying to tell us that we are weak, fearful, and unable to live sold-out lives. And all you need, all you need is comfort. We dealt with a lady a couple of years ago, and she was going through a hectic battle with her husband, and it was leaning towards divorce, and her, her argument was this, God just wants me to be happy. Now, in the Bible, does God say that He wants you to be happy at all? He wants you to die to self and pick up your cross daily to follow Him. That's not, I just want you to be happy. You'll be happy, believe me, the day that you walk into heaven. That's, you're going to, in your new glorious bodies. I can't wait for my new glorious body, by the way. I'm going to be tall, dark, and handsome like Lucas. Not short. <laughs> but remember, greater is he who is in you than who is in the world. Greater, greater, greater than all the nonsense that's coming your way is he that's in you than who's in the world. If God called you to something, he has and will continue to see you through it. So you're not going to be left on your own. So God says, okay, Kim, you're passionate. And now I want you to go into Nigeria and start something there. Oh, not today, Lord. I just want to go. And... No, he will make sure it happens. He will make sure that I go. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So he started to work in you. His desire is to take you from a place of glory, glory, to glory, to glory. You are being transformed. That's the whole objective of God's word to us, to see a transformation of your life, going from bad to good, to excellent when you reach heaven. We're all on that journey of transformation. If you're not being transformed, if you're not showing fruit in your life, you're not being transformed, then we need to get back together and have a discussion with our leaders and say, help, how can I get my life back on track? How can I become passionate about the things and the ways of God? Whereas I need to see fruit. And the Bible is full of stories of people who were weak and couldn't do this. And a good one that I can recall is Gideon. I mean, he was hiding away from the Philistines. We were attacking them and raiding them and everything. And he was hiding away in the wine press, grinding his wheat over there. And an angel appeared to him. And he says, Gideon, God wants you to go and wipe out the Philistines. And he said, oh, why are you choosing me? I'm the weakest of our clan, and our clan is the smallest of all the tribes in Israel. But the angel looked at him, and this is what God's saying to you, mighty man or mighty warrior of God. You are all warriors in God's kingdom, because greater is he that's in you than is in the world. Let's look at Hebrews 10.23. 
without wavering, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God's not going to give up on his promises that he's made for you and me. You know, God's word is true, whether you believe it or not. It's always true, and God will never contradict his word. That's so awesome. So when I read God's word, I come alive and I say, oh, wow, that's amazing. Because, God, you're not going to contradict yourself. This is so good. So are you ready to pursue God? Will your posture be that of, yes, God, anywhere, anytime, anyhow, no matter the cost? Are you really ready to do that? Finally, Jesus' act of passion to surrender his life for you and me is the greatest act of passion and love we will ever know or we will ever witness. It's amazing that God took his only son. We can read that quickly. John 3.16, you all know it. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone, everyone say with me. Everyone. No, no. Say it again. Can I have some passion? Here we go. Everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's another scripture I'd like to throw at you before we end. Romans chapter 10, verses 18 to 13. 8 to 13. Salvation that comes from trusting Jesus Christ, which is the message which we preach, is already within easy reach. So he's not making it difficult for us. It's right here. It's in each one of us. In fact, the scripture says the message is close at hand. It is on your lips and your heart. What message is that? The good news. That Jesus died for you and me. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How awesome is that? All I have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm saved. Think of the man on the right-hand side that was crucified next to Jesus. And he says, yes, I recognize you. You are Jesus, the Son of God. And Jesus said to him, this day I will see you in heaven. All he did was confess that Jesus is Christ and Lord. Now, the four or five of you that raised your hands, that's amazing. That's what you've done. You've just confessed. But there may be others that haven't raised their hands and said, yes, I want to live a passionate life for God. I want to surrender my life to Jesus because there's so much more that he's got to give me than I'm going to pursue in my own personal life. So much more. So let us bow our heads quickly and trust that the Holy Spirit speaks to all of us. And I want you to invite the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, come. Come now. Speak into my heart. If I am not right with you, God, I'm going to raise my hand. If I don't know you, God, I'm going to raise my hand. Because I want 
to see my life transformed and go from glory to glory to glory. I want to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. Now those four or five guys that raised their hands, you don't have to do it again. I'm just throwing this out in case there's somebody else and they missed the opportunity. Is there anybody? Okay, then for the rest of us, your passion might be misdirected at the moment. You could be passionate and be committed to other areas of your life. Today is the day when you can become the next Desmond Doss. Or better still, you can become the next person that lives a life like Jesus Christ. We can realign our passion and relentlessly pursue Jesus. I want to relentlessly, passionately pursue Jesus all the days of my life. We have an opportunity this morning right now, as you sit here, to ask God to forgive us for pursuing what is least important to Him and His kingdom. And a simple process. If that's you, I'd like you to stand up. Say, yes, Lord, I focused my life in the wrong areas. I'm not living a life which is sold out for you. I am not passionate about you. By now, everybody should be standing up. I don't want to force you. You must feel this as a conviction. Say, Lord, actually, this word which has been spoken about now, I can feel it. I need to live a life. I don't want to spend four and a half hours to five hours in front of my cell phone. I'd rather spend four hours on my knees praying to you, Lord. Or I'd rather like to spend two to four hours in your word because God's word is his email to you. It's a love letter to you. And you guys that are st standing now, I'm going to pray to you guys. And I'm going to repent with you guys. Father, I thank you for opportunities like this where we can repent and lay our lives down for you and openly come forward into your kingdom we want to live a life of passion we don't want to live lives of mediocrity we want to be on fire for you Jesus not only today but every day until I see you in heaven Ask God right now to stir up a passion in your heart. Stir up a passion in our hearts. Where's the worship, guys? Anton. So let's just close it. We're going to sing the song very quickly. And then we're done. And I'm going to give the microphone back to Joey. And thank you for listening. Amen.